You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. All right, come with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. The, the title of my message is The Day the Sun Stood Still. The Day the Sun Stood Still. Now, most people think when you hear that title, oh, he's going to be talking about Joshua when Joshua was fighting the Gibbonites. And he said, sun stands still. And it's a different sun. It's a different sun. It's, it's a, a pun, but just come with me. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We're in a brand new series at the moment. The reason we're doing this series is because uh, we have every year Easter, a lot of people who are, you know, uh, they call them cheesters. Uh, Christmas and Easter only church attendants will come at Christmas and come at Easter time. And many people get saved. They you know, make a de- dedication and then they come in to, to church. And so we decided, why don't we do a series called Culture Code? Culture Code, so that when you come in, this may not be like your perception of church, like where's the stained glass windows? You know, where's, where's Jesus hanging on the cross? And, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. So, so we wanted you to understand the, the culture and the culture is really the why behind the what. The why behind a what, the what. Let me just also say this about culture, that culture, culture is either, everything has a culture. Your home has a culture. Your family has a culture. Oh, no, no, we don't do that. Oh, I love Christmas. Thanksgiving, what we always do is as a family, we have, every family has a culture. Every community has a culture. The, the devil tries to create culture. He tries to infect and invade culture. In fact, if you said to me, what's, what's the great battle in America? It's, it's, a, it's a battle for the culture. God moves in environments. Jesus came to his hometown just a few chapters earlier in Mark chapter 6, but could do no mighty work in his hometown because of their unbelief and their lack of honor. And so we live in a, in a world right now where Satan has infiltrated our colleges, our education system to, to create a culture of unbelief, doesn't believe God and has no honor or reverence towards the church. When the, when the, the, the uh, pandemic hit last year, the, the governor or, or nearly all the governors of all the blue states decided let's make the churches non-essential. You don't shut down a hospital in a pandemic. Did you know that in California, more young people died of suicide and overdose than of COVID? But they don't tell you that. They don't tell you that. So when, when we began to see the amount of people, and I'm telling you, I've got stories that for confidentiality, I do not share. But some of them of a man, PTSD, served many, many years as uh, uh, in the... In the uh, Marine Corps, comes out, loses his job with the pandemic, starts drinking, his wife moves out, he puts a gun in his mouth with a a bullet in the chamber and pulls the the trigger and the bullet gets jammed. So he, he unjams, gets rid of, puts a fresh one in the chamber, puts in his mouth, pulls it a second time, screams, and the bullet gets jammed again. The phone rings. And he looks over at his phone and it's his dad calling. And his dad said, son, God just put you on my heart. I went to this church on Sunday. It's one of the only churches that's open. 
He says, I'm coming around now to pick you up. They have a Wednesday night service. It's a Wednesday. Drove around, picked him up. He comes down first hand to go up, comes down onto the altar, gets saved. His partner did not believe that he could change, did not believe. He said, baby, you got to come, you got to come. They came on the Sunday. They're now serving on the team there. That's one of many stories, one of many stories. But the devil tried to say, hey, church, you're non-essential. Drugstore, yeah, you're essential. Liquor stores, you're essential. Marijuana dispensaries, you're essential. Strip clubs, you're essential. Because anything that will get you deeper into bondage, the devil said was essential, but the church... We ain't having it, folks. We ain't having it, folks. We I don't need permission. I've got a First Amendment right. Yeah. So anyway, so come with me. So there's a culture. So Mark 10, 46 says, Now they came to Jericho. Now they came to Jericho. Now they, Jesus and the, and the dirty dozen, Jesus and the disciples came to Jericho. But you'll notice it says, Now they came to Jericho, period. As he went out of Jericho, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately, 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 he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I want you to know today from the onset that Jesus is a transformational God. Jesus is a God of healing. He's a God of deliverance. He's a God of miracles. When you encounter Jesus Christ, you leave different to the way you came. Whatever is deficit, Jesus replenishes. Jesus fills up. And so I want to give you six. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I want to give you six points from this. These are culture points, and this, this will kind of explain a little bit about why, why we do what we do and how we do what we do here at Awaken. So number one, the first thing I want you to understand is Jesus goes there. Point number one, Jesus goes there. It says that now they came to Jericho. Now they came to Jericho. So we're like, okay, okay, well, I, what's going to happen in Jericho? And then the next verse says, it's period, and says, and as he was leaving Jericho, we're like, whoa, 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 slow down, what happened? What happened in Jericho? Oh, I don't know what happened. Because it says, they came, Jesus and the 12 came to Jericho. And now the Bible says, and now leaving Jericho with a great multitude. Well, something happened. Jesus and the 12 came in, and now there's hundreds following him out. I want to know what happened in Jericho. Well, the, the Bible doesn't say. Hmm. Hmm. If the Bible's not saying, then the Bible's saying something about it's not saying. So I've got to do a little bit of a, a deeper dive. Like, why is the Bible not saying something? And what's it saying about it not saying? See, Jericho is a cursed place. Joshua cursed Jericho when the walls came down 
Joshua cursed Jericho and said, let nobody ever rebuild you again. But knowing the defiance of man's rage against God and his sinful nature, Joshua knew that the, the, the rebellious spirit in this earth, that somebody would try to rebuild this city. And so he says, whoever rebuilds this city, let him lay the foundation with his firstborn and finish the gate with his youngest. And many, many years later, the, a man undertook the project and absolutely his firstborn perished laying the foundation and his youngest perished. Like that's the defiance of man. So Jericho was a cursed place, was a cursed place. So what's the Bible saying? The Bible's saying that Jesus will go into your cursed places. Jesus came to Jericho. Jesus came to the cursed place, period, as he left with a great multitude. It doesn't tell us what he, I, I want you to know, I met Jesus Christ on a beach. My father was the son of an East German atheist. There was no Christianity. There was no church going. There was no Bible in my upbringing. God knew that there was no chance of me coming to church. So what God did was left the 99 in the wilderness and went after the one that was lost and chased me down on a beach. I gotta tell you, the day I got saved 35 years ago, the moment Christ came into my heart, I was going to heaven. I was born again. I was going to heaven. But I need to be honest with you. My mind was jacked up. My soul was jacked up. My heart was jacked up. There, there was so much sin and depravity, dysfunction and brokenness. But here's my testimony of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ walked into my Jericho. He walked into my cursed places. Jesus goes there. He's not a God. He's not a God who sits in heaven and says, now that I've saved you, you fix yourself up and you get it right and don't you dare come anywhere near me until you're holy until Jesus will go into your basement he'll go into your attic he'll go into all the areas of dysfunction of brokenness all the areas of sin all the areas of shame the God that I've found in the Bible is a God that didn't just take on our sin he became sin on the cross to set us free from the power of sin this weekend at Emerge we got two and a half thousand oh yeah 2,500 men 2,500 men, that's two and a half thousand, right? Yeah, yeah. I thinking, yeah. Two and a half thousand men are gonna come. And, and you're gonna see videos of tug of war and, you know, firemen carry, you're gonna see all this kind of stuff. You're gonna see great preaching, but it's not about physical and it's not even about, well, what it is, it's about creating an environment where men can recognize that there is a deliverer there is a Savior. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Jesus comes down into our humanity. He comes down into the mud. He comes down into our mire. He comes into our mess and He comes in there. But I've got to tell you something. Everywhere where I have let G every mess, every muck, every mire that I've invited Jesus in, I was ashamed. I want to keep that door locked. I didn't want Him to come in here. I was embarrassed. Uh, Jesus, no, no, no. You know what? Give, give me another week. I'll, I'll clean this mess up. But I found there were pesky little demons in there that just as I started cleaning up, they would mess it all up again. They would pull me back into the same vices into the same sins I had to let Jesus Christ come in there and only Jesus can but everywhere where Jesus went in every area that Jesus came in he completely drove out the enemy drove out the demonic drove out the devils and washed the guilt washed the shame set me free in every single area, Jesus goes there. The smartest thing you can do is let Jesus in. The most foolish thing, and this is what you'll find here, we're real, fresh, real, powerful. We don't do religion. 
We don't do blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Oh, greetings and salutations. We, we, we don't do fake it till you make it. We don't do faux Christianity. We want to do the real deal. I want real transformations, real miracles, real salvation, real deliverance, real healing. And that only comes when we are real before God. God is not looking for your mask. He's looking for your heart. Anyway, all right, so I've got to keep going. So Jesus goes there. And it's interesting because it says, they came to Jericho, period, as he was. What's so beautiful about Jesus is he keeps confidences. We don't know what happened in Jericho. I, I thank God that I serve a Jesus who went into every area of my mess, every area of my dysfunction, every area of my shame, things that I was so ashamed of. He went in there and then he don't tell. He leaves it for me. He's like, and if you don't want to tell, you don't have to tell. But one day your testimony will set other people free. That there, you, you can trust him. He's so magnificent. Number two, point number two is passion. The Bible says as he's leaving Jericho, there was a beggar, a blind beggar on the side of the road. The Bible identifies him as Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And he began to cry out, Jesus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't cry out, Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd tried to silence him, but he refused to let the crowd silence him. He cried out all the more. I want you to know that passion precedes breakthrough. Passion precedes breakthrough. Yeah, at Awakened Church, they're all hype. Have you noticed it? They're all hypey. I think it's that Australian, you know, with the funny hair. I think he's, you know, he's just, it's a hype church. They're just hype people. Can I tell you, nothing changes without passion. Let me just say this, that God is looking for his reflection in the earth. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God is looking for his reflection in the earth. God is, God is a God who is looking for reciprocation. What that means is when I look at the life of Jesus, I see passion. When Mel Gibson made the movie about the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was called The Passion, The Passion of the Christ. The Bible says that Jesus set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. Flint is something you strike to get a spark to start a fire. Jesus set his face like flint because the Bible says that they punched and they smacked his face. They plucked the beard from his cheeks. They spat on him and mocked him. They put a crown of thorns in his head and hit him on the head with sticks. They beat his back so badly that there was no flesh. Now, let me just, let me just help you. For those who, who have sat under theology, oh, they gave Jesus, you know, 40 lashes minus one, 39 lashes. Uh, you actually need to read your Bibles. That's not what it says. It wasn't the Jews that whipped him. It was the Romans. In fact, if you have a look, uh, it's, there's a YouTube video that now with our technology has done a recreation of the body of Christ uh, through, through the Shroud of Turin. And they estimate there is over 674 lashes 
See, the, the, the Jews were told 40 minus 1, but the Romans, they didn't care if he dies. They, they whipped until there was nothing left. They whipped until there was no meat left. And just from, just from the, the Shroud of Turin, it shows there was at least 674 lashes that Jesus Christ took. And yet the Bible says that didn't dissuade him. The crowd spitting on him didn't dissuade him. The punch in the face didn't dissuade The spitting on him, the mocking, the jeering didn't dissuade him. Why? Because the prize of you and me in glory the prize of you and me in eternity. So something tells me if he's going to be that passionate about saving me, if he was going to be that passionate about dying for me, the least we can do is build a church here in the earth that is passionate about living for him. Somebody say amen. Now let me just say something else. Let me say something else on that. If you listen to a sermon, science tells us that you will retain between 25 and 35% of what you hear, depending on your comprehensive abilities. Between 25 and 35% of what you hear. They say if you take notes when you're listening, which we encourage, if you take notes when you're listening, you can retain upwards of about 50 to 55% because you're hearing it. And then as you're writing, it's, it's, it's kind of amening. It's, it's, it's kind of doubled down. And so you process, so they say you'll retain up to 55%. But George Barner Research Institute did, did a study of people that interact with the preacher. And what they found is that if you listen, 30, 25 to 35%, if you take notes, 50 to 55%, but they found that people that said, amen, people that engage, come on, pastor, you know, preach, you know, uh, burn a stump, shame the devil, whatever you want to say, you know, whatever you want to say. But this is what they found. They found the people that, that interacted retained upwards of 85% of what they heard. Well, why, why is that? Because Romans 10.9 says this, says with the heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, your mouth seals a transaction. So I want you to know whenever, now listen, if you don't agree, be silent. But if you hear something, you're like, Amen. If you hear something that you want in your life, doesn't matter whether it's whether it's you know Pastor Jurgen, Pastor Summer, Pastor Lisa, Pastor, it doesn't matter who's on this platform. When you hear something that 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 oh my gosh, Amen, yes, and the word Amen is let it be so. So when you hear that Jesus Christ is a healer, Amen, let it be so. When you hear that He's a deliverer, Amen. Wherever you put your amen, you grab that thing and it becomes a truth in your heart. And then what will happen is you'll have experiences where you're sharing with someone and out of your mouth will come words. You're like, man, I didn't know I knew that. It's because you sealed the deal in, in the house when you gave your amen. The devil doesn't want you to put your amen. He wants quiet church. He wants quiet church. He wants to rob 75% of what you're hearing. He doesn't want you to remember it. So that's why we're passionate. Does that make sense? All right, number three, number three, number three. Number three, oh dear God, that clock, that evil clock. I'm looking forward to heaven because there's no clocks in heaven. Clocks are demonic. All right, number three, quickly, quickly. Number three is live above the crowd. The Bible says when blind Bartimaeus started to cry out, Jesus, son of David, it says many warned him to be quiet. They tried to silence him. Shh, what are you doing? Shut, shut up. He's a religious holy man. Stop it. Quieten down. You've got to make a decision to live above the crowd. Live above the crowd. You know, there's a saying that the truth is rarely popular 
And what is popular is rarely the truth. See, watch this. Jesus, how many people know that Jesus is a healer? Come on, Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a healer. Man, what a great story. All those people that got healed. Oh, hang on. Only one. Only one got healed. Do you know there were other blind men? He was sitting amongst other beggars. Only one got transformed. You know which one? The one that stepped out from the crowd. The one that rose above the crowd. The one that refused to think like everyone else thought. When he started crying out, when he started getting passionate, when he started getting, they immediately tried to pull him down. In Australia, we have a lot of great seafood because we're surrounded. The whole It's an island. And, and if you talk to any crab catcher, we have some really big crabs and they're delicioso. But, but they, they tell you if you catch one crab, you've got to put a lid on the bucket. But as soon as you get a second crab, you can throw the lid away. You won't need it. But if you have one crab, put a lid on because that crab will crawl out and he'll finally scamper over to the, and jump back in the water. But if you have a second crab, you don't need You think, well, can't they both climb out? No. This is, there's a phenomenon with crabs that when one's climbing up, the other one will pull him down. The other one will pull him down. There's a spirit in this world. There's a culture in this world that will keep you in your sickness. See, blind Bartimaeus got healed the others stayed begging. The others stayed with a victim mindset. The others stayed, life's, life's cruel. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. That, they, they, that, that was their song. When he broke out, when he broke away, see, the reason the crowd wants to pull you down is because you expose and reveal their mediocrity. Nothing, nothing good has ever happened from following the crowd. Make a decision. I'm going to live above the crowd in this church. We're going to empower you to think. We're going to empower you to question. We want you to question. Question everything. But bring everything back to the Word of God. I've made a decision. God bless. God bless the news media and God bless the print media and God bless Yahoo News and God bless all of those things. But at the end of the day, whatever God says, whatever the Word says, I'm lining up with the Word. It's, it's whatever God says. Three times Jesus whooped the devil. How did he do it? It is written. It is written. It is written. In other words, if God said it and men wrote it down, what he said, that's, that's where I'm putting my lot. Three times he defeated the devil. Most people say, well, the crowd says. Well, everybody else is saying. Well, the CDC says. Well, you know, the Yahoo News says. Well, CNN says. Can I just encourage you? In this church, we're going to empower you to live above the crowd. Why? Because we don't want you living your life begging for scraps. We want you empowered with vision and purpose. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> Numero cuatro, number four, number four, number four. The Bible says, when he began to cry out, the crowd tried to silence him. And then have a look what it says. It says, says and then verse 40, it says, so Jesus, oh, it's not for, 49, excuse me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. What a verse, what a verse. So he's Jesus, he's leaving Jericho, he's on his way out of Jericho. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Jesus, crying out, you know, the crowd, shut up, trying to silence him. He cries out all the more. And then the Bible says, so Jesus stood still and commands him to be called. So Jesus stood still. Sometimes we can just read that and say, isn't that lovely? In that he, he stood still, probably take a, take a breather. He, let me just give you the context. 
Jesus is on assignment. Jesus is on mission. From the scriptures, he has, he has come to the revelation and understanding that he is Yeshua HaMashiach. He is Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. He, 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 he has a job description that's been handed down from heaven. Save the world. Un poquito pressure. Save the world. Destroy the works of the devil. Disarm the principalities and the powers, the thrones and dominions. Rescue man from his sin and depravity. Provide atonement and forgiveness. Be the sacrifice. Restore authority back to my sons and daughters. Raise up disciples who can carry on your work after you. Build a church that in 2,000 years' time will be a juggernaut in the earth, bringing salvation to anybody and everybody who will hear that all who would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That in the year 2021, there will be 2.8 billion Christians on this planet. You've got three years. Your time begins now. Are you still reading this? I'd get going if I were you. He has three years to save mankind, save the world, destroy all the works of the devil, disarm principalities and powers, provide atonement for iniquity, rescue mankind, build the, the disciples to carry on. These weren't theologically trained. These were fishermen and tax collectors. He's got three years. You better believe he was under a time crunch. You better believe he had time pressure. You better believe that there was some time management issues. Everyone's pulling at him. Everyone's trying to drag him into places. Everywhere he goes, there's people thronging on him. He's got just three years to do the impossible. And the Bible says here that Jesus, in the midst of all of that pressure and all of that time restraint, with three, stand still. Now, what was it? Was it? A, was it a, emperor that called out? Was it a king? Was it a president? Was it a governor? Was it a nobleman? Who was it that stopped Jesus in his tracks? It wasn't a dignitary. It wasn't a man of prestige or, or property or wealth or means. It wasn't somebody with noble blood. It was a blind man. It was a man they didn't even bother naming. He was, he was blind Bartimaeus. Bar means son. He was, he, he was named, many Bible scholars believe that his papa, Timaeus, was also blind and didn't even bother giving him a name when, when, when they handed his son to him and said, congratulations, you've got a son. He's like, I've got a son, I've got a son, but I've got to know, I've got to know, tell me, tell me. Can he see or is he blind like me? And then when they said, we're so sorry, we waved, we... He's blind. He's born blind like you. He didn't even bother naming his son. This is a nameless, visionless beggar on the side of the street. And yet the Son of God is stopped in his tracks. Not because of this man's reputation, not because of this man's bloodline, not because of this man's position, but because of this man's passion. His faith caused passion. In this house, every Sunday, you're gonna hear a word of faith. Every Wednesday, you're gonna hear a word of faith. 
Paul said there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Everything we do is in a spirit of love. But we make sure that everybody leaves with an infusion of hope. What is hope? That tomorrow is going to be better than today. But faith, faith is the landing strip where the power of God can land. Every week you're going to hear faith. This man got faith. Watch what he says. He says, Jesus, son of David. The Bible says when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David. Jesus, son of David. See, if you follow the Bible, which I encourage, God, God makes a covenant, God makes a promise that the Hamashiach, the Messiah, would come from Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, Jacob. So Jacob has 12 sons. And then God says, Jacob, from you is going to come the Messiah. But let me tell you, specifically of your 12 sons, he's going to come through Judah, through the lineage of Judah. And then God reveals again that through the lineage of Judah, He's going to come from the house of David. Elijah raised the dead. Elisha raised the dead. Moses did the most extraordinary miracles. All the way through the Old Testament, the the prophets did miracles, signs and wonders, raised the dead. But the Bible says that the, 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 the the distinguishing miracle that would let you know the Hamashiach, the Messiah is among you is the first thing it says that the Messiah will do is He will open the eyes of the blind. The Pharisees who could see, who read the Torah and the Tanakh each and every day, couldn't see Jesus in front of them because they were so, so blinded by their pride and their religiousness. But a blind man, blind Bartimaeus, when he heard, when he heard the stories of the lepers that were cleansed, when he heard the story of the paralytic that they lowered through the roof. And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. He rises up and walks. When he heard that the storm was calmed, when he said, peace, peace. When he heard that he raised the dead, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he says, this is the guy. This is the one. This is the one. This is the one. Jesus, son of David. Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the guy who's going to come. You're the one that's going to bring my hope to a reality that I was born blind, rejected, neglected, left on the side of the street just to beg. But I know that there's a Messiah who will open the eyes of the blind. And I believe it's you, everything I've heard, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stands still and commands him to be called. In this house, we're going to show you that Jesus is the Messiah. And as you, as you put your faith in Him and let passion rise, there is not a ceiling over your life. There is nothing that God, God will do, kitchen, home, husband, wife. I'm telling you, God is so good. God is so good. Now watch this, last two points, and I'm already out of time. Last two points. Number five is throw off your garment. The Bible says when Jesus commanded Him to be called, or watch this, I love this. The crowd says to him, um, be of good cheer, rise. He's calling you. Hello, Jesus. What? Oh, no, no. Who are, where, the, where the crowd? Yes, yes, I know. Just a moment ago, we were telling him to be shut, you know, to shut up and be quiet. But as soon as you stopped and called him, we now switched. We now flipped. Yes. Now we're like, be of good cheer. We heard that from you when you were walking on the water in the storm. And you said to the disciples, be of good cheer in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> That's who we are with the crowd. We're fickle. <laughs> no, we don't actually believe any of it. No, no. We just bend like the wind. Whatever's popular. 
What if it's the most popular thing? That's where we are. Watch this, watch this. Rise. <laughs> you said that to Lazarus, right? <laughs> Why would you live according to the freaking crowd? The wishwashy. Every way the wind blows, that's the way the chi goes. Cast away. Why would you then live above the crowd? Get some conviction. If God said it, it's yours. You can have it. Don't let the world, don't let the crowd talk you out of it. Throwing aside his garment. It doesn't say he threw aside his garment because it was like blisteringly hot. Why did he throw aside his garment to come to Jesus? He threw aside his garment because the garment that he had on was a government registered garment that allowed Bartimaeus to beg on the good side of the street. Oh, he wasn't like those other beggars, those other illegal beggars, those other non-government approved beggars. Oh, no, no, no. He was a government registered beggar. Yes, if you, if you donate to him with your 501c3, you get a tax deduction. He was a government registered beggar. But can I tell you whether you're a government registered or whether you're an elite, you're still a beggar. See, blind Bartimaeus on that day said, I'm coming to Jesus and I'm not going back to my old mentality. I'm not going back to the crowd that held me down like crabs pulling me back down every time. I'm not going back to how I once was. I'm not going back to poverty. I'm not going back to struggle. I'm not going back to lack. I'm not going back to government dependency. Now listen, thank God this is not a judgment. Thank God, thank God that, that, that he, was government, he was able to get some government assistance. But he's like, I'm going to step into a place where I don't need government assistance. I don't need welfare. I don't need food stamps any longer because my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You got to, at some point, at some point, you got to step out of the crowd. You got to throw your garment away. You got to throw your dependency away upon government and upon men and understand that you are blessed to be a blessing. That you are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. That you are blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed going in, blessed going out. That you are going to be a source, a conduit of God's blessings to everybody around you. He threw aside his garments. Says, "I'm not going back to being a, a government registered beggar. I may be government registered, but I'm still a beggar. I am begging no more because I'm going to have vision. I'm going to have purpose. I got some ideas, man. I got some." And then the Bible says this: that he came and he stood before Jesus, which I just love. You know the picture. You know he gets up, throws aside his garment. You keep it. You have it. I don't want it anymore. I'm not going back to dependency upon man. I'm living in the, 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 the blessing and the bounty of God. And as he comes to Jesus, I'm over here. Oh, excuse me. Nope, that's Judas. Oh, sorry, Judas. Judas giving me his wallet back. Hey! Scallywag. You know, I'm not sure if that happened. But, but the Bible says this. The Bible says this. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine the disciples? They're like, are you serious? Jesus, you, you're seriously asking? Hello, it's obvious. Like even we can see. But how many people know that Jesus never asks a question because He doesn't know the answer? Come on, Jesus never asks a question 
because he doesn't know the answer. Jesus asks questions to unlock answers. Jesus never asks a question because he doesn't know. Jesus asks to unlock. Watch what Jesus says. He does not say to this man, what do you need from me? He asks the man very specifically, what do you want me to do for you? If you've had any theological training or upbringing, this is going to mess with your head right now. I was taught when I first got saved that the Lord our God is not a want God. No, no, no. He's just a need God. He doesn't supply all your wants, you greedy little piglets. No, no. He... He only supplies your needs, your needs. You know that, no, that's a want. No, no. Listen, let me just explain something to you. God is on a very tight budget. Yes. You know how the Bible says that, that, that He's paved the streets with gold in heaven? You've read that? Yes. Well, unfortunately, He never got it approved. He just, he just rent ahead and did that without the committee hearing, without the approval of the city. And so now there's a budget deficit in heaven. So we're going to need you to do bake sales, um, car washes, because unfortunately God spent all the money in heaven on streets of gold, which we don't need. We don't need streets of, I mean, who need? Anyway, he's just gone. He's, that's the problem with God. He'll just run ahead without, he thinks he's God. And, well, actually he is. And you know. Jesus is not a need God. Let me explain. How many people know there are people starving in third world nations that need? And yet they're still starving. The alcoholic, the man who, who, cannot, who cannot sleep, who cannot find peace unless he drains the bottle, needs to be set free. The young man or the young lady that is addicted to drugs, injecting, shooting things into their veins for, to escape pain or to feel alive. Feel, they need to be set free. The person who cuts themselves, tormented, they, they need to be set free. The gambling addict, the sex addict, they need to be set free. But you know what? They will remain addicted. They will remain bound in their need. But, but... When you convert need into want. When the alcoholic says, I no longer want to live like this. I don't want to have to have a bottle and drink and drain the bottle, losing my friends, losing my relationships, slipping into unconsciousness. When the, when the drug addict says, I no longer want to live like this. I no longer want to live on poverty. I no longer want to, to live addicted and bound. No, I no longer want to hate myself. When the person says, I no longer want to cut myself. I, I want peace. I want freedom. You've got to move from a place of need to a place of want. God's power, God's power flows to where there's want. So Jesus doesn't ask him. He knows what he needs, but he asks him specifically, what do you want me to do for you? Because when your need finds faith, when your need finds faith, it turns into a want. God, I want to be set free. God, I want to be delivered. God, I want to be healed. What do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. In this house, in this house, you're going to hear that your God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. But you're also going to hear Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. 
God is not broke. He's not on a tight budget. He, he meets you at your place of want. Your marriage will be a dead-end marriage until you want, until you want it to be different. You gotta move from need to want. You gotta move from need to want. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Forgive me for going over. Father, I thank you for your beautiful sons and daughters today. Father, we thank you for the day the sun stood still. The day that Jesus stood still. Friend, listen. He called a man that his daddy didn't even bother to name. His entire life, he was the son of Timaeus. Didn't even bother to name his kid. Because his kid had had a malady. His kid had a dysfunction. His kid was blind. Because he was blind, he was a beggar. He was sentenced to a life of struggle, of lack, of visionless purpose and purposelessness. But because of his faith, because of his passion, the sun stood still. And if he'll do that for a blind purposeless, no-named, no-identity individual, how much more will He do that for you? If you're here today and you need Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you're away and you need to come back, if you're here today and you're far from God and you need to come back close to Him, I want to pray for you. In the last 20 seconds of this service before I hand back to Pastor Michael, if you're one of those three categories, you've never surrendered or you once did but you're away or you know today you're just far and you need to come back, well, every head is bad, every eye closed. Would you quickly give me a wave of your hand and I'm going to say a prayer for you. Who are those ones? Just shoot your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you through there. Thank you up the back there. Thank you, darling. Who else is there? Just a little high. Thank you, young man. I see your hand. Who else is there? Would you quickly raise your hand? Say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Just feel like there's one or two more. Who is that one? Would you just quickly raise your hand? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, darling. I see your hand. There's still somebody else. I can feel it. Who is that one? God's knocking on the door of your heart. Who is that one? Quickly, just shoot your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand, darling. Thank you. Anybody else? Quickly, I need to pray and hand back to Pastor Michael before they put a lifetime ban on me coming back for going over time. Fantastic. While our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, let's, let's all of us... In, in unison, in choir, say these words. Say this beautiful prayer with me out loud. Say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank You today that You so love me that You sent Jesus, Your only Son, on a rescue mission to save my life. Lord Jesus, thank You that on the cross, You took all my sin away from me so that today I can be forgiven Wash clean. I thank you that you step into my shame, my sin, my mess, and you mop it clean. Today I declare, God, you are my father. I am your child. Heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.